0: get home too late but it's all good Um, I just want to let you know something I love you I love you all and 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 I I do thank God for you all Uh, it's an honor to serve as your pastor and um, to lay my life down and to sacrifice for you all and thank you for your sacrifice and coming Sunday mornings and week in and week out and being patient with us and and, um, and being patient with one another and praying for one another for God is doing something in our midst, and we thank him for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what is sin? Sin is serious. It's disobedience to God. God tells us to go left, we go right. In other words, God tells us to go right and we go left. We have sin. God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree, of knowledge of good and evil, and guess what they did? They did the opposite. The Bible says Eve was deceived by the serpent but Adam was not. So Adam willingly knowing what God said and did not believe the lie but he did it anyway. And because of Adam's disobedience sin was imputed unto us. So when God sees us as human beings He he sees, he he holds us accountable for the sin of Adam. You may say, well, that's not fair. But but you are the children of Adam. You, You are the offspring of Adam. We are. All right? And so not only does God hold Adam's sin to us, but he also holds our sins to us. Amen? We are accountable to God for when we disobey God. Amen. Sin is... Disobedience to God, it is also any failure to conform to the moral law of God and act, attitude, and nature. Sin, let me say that again. Sin is a fa- any failure to conform to the moral law of God and act, attitude, and nature. All right? So whenever God tells us to do something and we don't have a right attitude towards it, we have sin. The nature of it. Um, disobeying the moral law of God, like the Ten Commandments, like the, the law of love, the law of Christ. Whenever we do that, we are disobeying God. And so sin is a destroyer. It will destroy your life. So we need to grasp hold of the truth about sin so that we can embrace the cross. We sung songs about the cross this morning, right? Beautiful songs Uh, Songs dealing with, in my place he stood, to see his love, and also the power of the cross. Those songs are not meant just to entertain us, but for us to think about God. So let's take a look at some scriptures dealing with sin before we get to Romans 7. Go with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. The ugliness of sin. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. This is dealing with this narrative. It's dealing with Adam. I mean, Adam's children, Adam's sons, Cain and Abel. Uh, We know that Abel pleased the Lord with his sacrifice, right? And and Cain's sacrifice was not pleasing to the Lord. And this is what God told Cain um, in verse 7, chapter 4. He says that if you do well, and will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So how many know that sin is constantly right there with us? Sin will try to take you out every minute of the day, even today, even this moment. So sin is is, is ever present for this time. But there's coming a day that when sin will be destroyed. Um, Exodus, excuse me, Ezekiel chapter 18. I should say the execution of sin done with, because Jesus defeated sin at the cross. It's it's the actual execution until sin has finally been put to death. Um, Exodus, I mean, Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 18. 18, verse 4. It says, Behold, all souls are mine, and the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. All right? So if, our, if we sin, in other words, God's saying if we sin, we're going to die. Um, also, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back and turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? This is the desire of the Lord, that he doesn't desire that, that the wicked die, but for them to repent. All right, let's go to a familiar one. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. When you guys say amen. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, thank you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who have sinned? All. All. So there's not a person that has not sinned, except for Christ. Christ was the only one who has not sinned. But we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. In other words, if the Lord has saved you, if the Lord has really redeemed you from sin, that's enough to shout about for all eternity. It, 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 it's, it's a matter of us appreciating what the Lord has done. You know, it, it's, um, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Verse two, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So here the the scripture is telling us that at one point we were dead in our trespasses and sin. At one point we were alienated from the life of God. We were separated. Death means, um, one of the definitions of death means separation. So we were separated from God the Father because of sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. And, and, and when you understand the ugliness of sin, that it is, it's more important not to look at just the consequences of sin. Sometimes we focus on the consequences of sin, but we don't focus on what sin does with our relationship with God. When we sin, we sin against a holy God, a righteous God, a just God, a God who will not go without punishing sin. Sin is a serious offense to Father God. So you think about it. I said this a while back, but every sin is worth a hell of eternity. Let that sink in for a little bit. Every sin is worth a hell of eternity. And so what we consider, um, we, we put in categories, little sins, big sins, right? But, but with God, all sin is serious. And that every sin is worth us spending eternity In hell, and eventually in the lake of fire. And so don't take sin lightly. Um, As believers, know that we have been delivered from the power of sin. Sin is a force, is a power, and Jesus broke that power over our lives. And yet, because of Adam's disobedience, we have what is called indwelling sin inside of us. And we'll look at that in Romans chapter 7 when we get to our, our so here it says, we were dead in our trespasses and sin." I've never seen a dead person raised. <laughs> I never see, see uh, I never saw uh, a dead person um, walk and, and operate. At one point we were so, do you know that we didn't have the capability of loving God? That we didn't have a capability of saving ourselves. There is a danger, and, and hear my heart, there is a danger of saying, well, I chose Jesus. Because we don't have the ability to choose Jesus. The only way that we are saved is by the grace of God. And I, I think we take our salvation for granted. We take it for, you know, we, we think light of it. We need to think about the weightiness or the heaviness of our salvation. Um, the, the scripture tells, talks about that we, at one point, we were following, carrying out, verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. How many have ever lived in the passions of your flesh? And don't always think of sexual. Uh, passions of the flesh could be um, eating that extra piece of cake, you know, doing what you want to do. Yeah, I want to sleep. I am want to sleep a little bit. I mean, just obeying the passions of your flesh. How many know that your flesh is naturally, for most of us, unless you just have some type of other grace going on, your flesh naturally just wants to be lazy. You know, sometimes you throw something in the trash, and let's say you're tossing it and it missed the trash, you want to just leave it there, you know, especially if it's not in your house. Maybe it's outside somewhere. Um, Go Do the extra step and say, no, you're not going to control me. I'm going to go pick it up. Or maybe, maybe when you go to the grocery store and you're taking the buggy, um, why not take it back? Right, right? What, what, what we want to do with the buggy is we want to keep it. We want to put it on the side. But at one point, check this out. Your pastor used to work at Sam's, and I used to be the man, the little boy who had to drug, drag all of those buggies over and, and, and put them up. But it's people like us who, who leave them on the side. Just remember, you don't know what God is doing in that person who's called at that time to take those buggies and put them up. And I, was, I, I remember being um, taking those buggies and praying in other tongues. I Thank you, Lord. I won't always be doing this. You know, I thank you, Lord. But, but as I was faithful with that, God promoted me. Amen. So as you're faithful. But anyway... Um, your, the passions of your flesh, if you let your f- flesh do, your flesh will send you to hell. Your flesh is a mess. You cannot allow your flesh to be king. Don't follow after the, the passions of your flesh. Defile your flesh. You know, I'm not going to eat that extra piece of cake. I'm not going to eat that extra meal. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to fast today. You keep it up. You, oh, you want something to eat? I'm, I'm going to show you. You're going to eat the word. <laughs> you're going to go exercise. You're going to go pray. You're going to do a prayer walk today. You're not going to be a couch potato. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> um, verse three, carrying out the desires of the body in the mind. I mean, you're not supposed to listen to everything that you think. <laughs> Don't listen to everything. Your, your mind will let you your mind will tell you, you you're confused, you're stupid, you're dumb. I mean, you're like, oh, uh, I'm confused today. I mean, your mind will lead you away from the things of God. So, so don't, that's why the Bible tells us to renew our minds, to change the way that we think. You can't just go with every thought that pops in your mind. Are you with me? I'm, I'm trying to save somebody's life. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you have to obey it. It doesn't mean that you are that thought. You are not your thoughts. You are who God made you to be. So when your thoughts going on inside of you and it's, going crazy. Maybe because you've been looking at something that you had no business looking at or having some conversation. You know, we're to pull down thoughts. That's the, that's where the battle is. The battle is for the, what, mind, right? And so we need to pull down our thoughts and bring those thoughts into obedience to Christ. Don't allow your thoughts to control you. And don't allow your flesh to control you. And it goes on and says, in the body. How many of your body Wants to do things that it shouldn't do. The body and the mind were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4. But God. Everybody say but God. God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4. But God. But God. God has a big but. But God being rich in mercy because of the, of, of, of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Let's stop there. So here we see that we were dead. We were in our sins. We were alienated from the life of God. I don't think, again, I don't think we understand the ugliness of sin and the danger or the dangers of it. God has to punish sin. If he does not punish sin, then he's not a just God. He has to deal with sin. Again, he is just, he is righteous, and he is holy. If we don't view sin like he does, then we will fall into the condemnation of the world. we got to see sin for what? the way God sees it. Again, God sent Jesus to the cross to die for what? Our sins. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty disturbed by what I'm hearing um, in, Christian, in Christendom, from preaching to books to um, music. I, I, I think that we have, especially in the West, in the United States, North America, uh, we have a, a, a perverted view of Christianity. We don't have the right view of what this walk is about. It really isn't about you getting your blessing. I mean, I mean, there are songs, inspirational songs, um, Mary, Mary, Go Get It, and, and different stuff. Or I, I think that we have missed the foundation of what this walk is about. I think, it's, I think we've made it. Because you know what? You can become rich without Christ. You do understand that, right? You do live in a land of opportunities. You can do what, what some of the principles of some of the um, billionaires and millionaires have, are teaching, and you can do those things, and you can become rich. Um, you can actually get a, you know, we, we hear a lot of times people, you know, Lord, give me a car. You, if you save your money or have a good credit scores, you can get a car without Jesus. You can get a house without Jesus, I, I, you know. And I think we focus on those things, especially to a population who is who's lacking those things. But I'm telling you, that's not what Christianity is about. It's not about God blessing you with a bigger house, a bigger car. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something more to it than that. And I and I think that we we missed it. I I listen to um, Christian radio from time to time at my job, and, and, and I'm like, this is not the gospel. This is not what it's about. It's not about God not letting you fail. It's not about um, getting your blessing now, or there's a blessing. Hold on. I mean, those, it's like almost a slavery mentality. You know, like, keep, hang in there. You know, God's going to come through. But what about Jesus? What about what he did for us? Are, are, are you with me? I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying that we we, we're missing something. Sin isn't something to be played with. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should we should fight sin with every fiber of our being. We're not to just give in to sin, and not have a fight in us. How many fighters do we have in here? Mm -hmm. We gotta fight sin. Are you with me? We gotta fight sin. Sin is your enemy. You can't yield to it. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. When you got to say amen. Matthew chapter 5, amen. verse 27. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. We do have some Bibles in the back. Feel free to take one or two or three and pass them out. <laughs> you know, I, take some for your friends at, on, on the job. Say, oh, well, let's, let's sit down and read the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. It says, you have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. I mean, you shouldn't commit adultery. What is adultery? It's sleeping with somebody else's spouse, right? That's adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So um, that Jesus just took that law to another Dimension. He says, if you look upon a person and lust after them, you've already committed it. Verse 20. Now some will say, Well, since I've already committed it, I may as well go ahead and do it. That's the wrong mentality. No, he's just saying that you sinned against God. All right, verse 29. If you if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Okay? And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than, than that your whole body go into hell. So this, these scriptures are telling us that um, we need to fight sin to a degree that if, if, our, if our hand is causing us to sin, cut it off. In other words, he's not telling us to cut off our physical hand. But he's saying, let's go to the extreme and do whatever it takes to fight sin. Um, Believers should make it their business all of their days to mortify the indwelling power of sin. Yes, sin's power has been broken in our lives. But there is indwelling sin for which Christ died for. Um, The Christian walk is called a call of, of war. It's called a war, a battle. We're we're called soldiers. We're to to fight what God hates. This battle isn't natural, but spiritual. We're called to fight this battle with the word of God and prayer. So for the love of God, fight the sin that is before you. Did you hear me? For the love of God, fight the sin that is before you. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. If the preacher can find it, (laughs) you got to say amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and what? Sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there is sin that is clinging closely to us. You understand, right? There's sin that's clinging. So we're to fight that. The Bible calls us to call call the good fight of faith. Romans chapter 6, you don't have to go over there. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Go go ahead and go to Romans 7, which is our um, text. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. So sin is going to pay us with what? Death. So think about it. Sin will kill your relationships. You gossip about somebody. They don't want to be your friend. They want, they don't. Sometimes if you gossip about a family member, they'll try to figure out how they can remove you from their, any kind of connection. Um, but sin will destroy you financially. Sin will destroy your, um, your mind. So sin is, is, is a serious thing. Um, John MacArthur, who's a pastor out in California uh, at Grace Church, Grace Community Church, um, he said this, we should not be, this is going to hit all of us, all right? We should not be entertained by the sins for which Christ died. Let me say that again. We should not be entertained by the sins for which Christ died. Um, I heard that a couple years ago, and I was just like, whoa. I'm looking at stuff that I've been entertained by, and Christ died for those things. Uh, take it or leave it, but we should be aware of what we see and what we hear. I'm not talking about being religious or legalistic, but I'm simply saying that we should pursue holiness. Yeah. Are you pursuing your holiness today? Are you going, And then when I say holiness, I'm not talking about um, make, not wearing makeup or mirror makeup or wearing dresses. That's an external f- um, form of holiness, but it's not really holiness at all. Because you, you can wear, I mean, it's, okay. A story, this is a story. There's a young girl, I'll never forget, it. I don't know if she was apostolic or what, growing up, she just, she always had long skirts, you know, and just, oh, I'm holy, I'm saved. And then a couple of years later, she got pregnant. I'm like, what happened? I mean, you're saved? I mean, there's no condemnation if you're pregnant, but I'm just like, I mean, I don't understand. It was like she had a, a pride about her external. I mean, you know, if you are walk in, in holiness, you, there's not going to be any pride. Because the only reason why you're pursuing holiness is because God in his mercy has put it inside of you. It's not something that you willfully say, I'm going to be holy today. <laughs> you know, it's God by his grace strengthening you to fight against sin. You don't come against somebody else because they fell into sin. But it, as part of your holiness is reaching out to somebody who fell into sin and loving on them and helping to restore them. Are you with me? It's not condemning. You sin. see, I, that's what I'm talking about. You're not saved. You know, uh, we don't have, we don't, we shouldn't have that type of attitude. Um, If you are not pursuing your holiness, then you may not be saved. The fruit of knowing the Lord is to flee temptation and pursue holiness and seek his kingdom. So with that said, let's go to Romans chapter 7. I am almost finished. Romans chapter 7. The ugliness of sin. Next week, we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to, but do you see how it's connected? How, when we see how bad sin is, sin is, then we can embrace the cross better. We can see it clear. Like, wow, that's why the cross was necessary. We, we don't understand why Jesus had to come and die. It wasn't the physical death because that was the capital punishment of that day. That was the norm. It's like Jesus going to the electric chair or being injected with some kind of drug. That, that, that was that type of capital punishment of that day. So dying on the cross there was no power in that. You know, you see these movies, scary movies, and they have the cross. I, I used to think I could, like, there was power in that. Like, whoa, let me, yes. And so I would do, my little cousin, uh, I would put the cross on her, in Jesus' name. She was acting up, in Jesus' name, and nothing happened. She acted up even more. <laughs> it was like, whatever, maybe I don't have faith in it. And, you know, you see people magnifying the cross. They'll actually get it tatted on their bodies, the cross. There's no power in the cross itself. The power is actually in what Jesus accomplished for us on that cross, what that cross represented. It was the sinless blood of Christ that made that cross powerful. Because you remember there was two thieves that were with Jesus on the cross. And you see their blood didn't have any power in it to cleanse anybody. But it was the sinless life. The sinless life of Christ gave the meaning of the cross of Christ power. And the resurrection of Christ was God's approval of his life and his death. His sinless life. So the cross would never meant anything if Jesus, ever, if Jesus sinned. If he had fallen short of the glory of God, then the cross was useless. And the cross became powerful or meaningful... Because of the life of Christ. Jesus obeyed God, the Father, 100%. And because of his sinless life, the cross was for the penalty for the sins of God's people. And God approved of the death of Christ by raising Christ from the dead. He says, it is finished. So therefore, I'm raising him from the dead. And now I'm justifying the people that you died for. Romans chapter 7. Let's go there. All right, are you with me? All right, here we go. The ugliness of sin. As far as I said, do you not know, brothers? For I am speaking to those who know the law. Now, the law is referring to um, the Ten Commandments, um, it's referring to um, the laws of God in the Old Testament. That the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman, it's bound by law to her husband while he lives. Now, don't nobody ask that during Q&A, okay? I'm not going into that marriage, divorce, and remarriage right now. That's another time, another subject. All right, I know somebody's thinking, oh, what about that? Okay, we'll talk about that another day. I'm just saying don't ask that during that time. But if <laughs> for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. If she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Okay, so don't ask that, all right? Verse 4, verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you you have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Okay, this scripture is actually, the the purpose or the the point of the passage has, it really isn't about marriage and remarriage and divorce. It's actually about how Christ, how we died to the law through the death of Christ. All right? He said, verse 4, likewise, my brothers, you, have also, you, have die, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. Who's the other? Who's the another? To him who has been raised from the dead. So Jesus died to the law so we can be married to him. In order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions Aroused, aroused, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Okay, so what is Paul talking about? Uh, we're no longer under the law, or under condemnation, but that we are free to serve God through holiness and in righteousness. The fruit of, of sin is death. The fruit of sin is death. Let's continue, verse 7 through 12. It says, What then shall we say? The law is sin. Okay, so though we're no longer under the law, but we're under, we're married to another, um, the law is not sin. By no means, Paul says. Yet if he had not been, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what is it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. Let's stop there. So the law was given to us to magnify that the fact that we are sinners. Where there is no, where the law is not known, then how can you know what's right and wrong? So God gives us His law to let us know you're going in the wrong direction. You're disobeying me. All right, Um, verse eight. But sin seizing the an opportunity through the commandments produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came and I di- came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. All right. So the law is good. It taught us about sin. How could we know that we were sinning if there was no law? The law showed us our sin. God's law. So when you read the Bible, you come to face to face with the reality of your own sins. Right. You do read scriptures that deal with your heart. Right. You don't read the promises only, you know, uh, the favorite scriptures that you like, but you should read all of it so that you can really see what God is saying. Let's look at verse 13. Did that which is good, then bring death to be by no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin may be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Sin produces death in us. D- did you hear me? Sin produces death in us. Sin will, re- will result in death spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, and relationally. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under the law. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but what? Sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Does that sound familiar? Now, if I do what I do not want, is it, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that what, when I want to do evil, right, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. We were sold under sin through Adam's disobedience in ours. It is because of Adam's sin we are sinners as well as our own. Adam's sin was imputed to us. You may say, well, that's unfair. Um, sin will make you obey it. Did you hear me? John chapter 8, I'm really tempted to go there. I'm going to go there. John chapter 8, let's go. So you can see it with your eyes. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It says, John chapter 8 says this, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Oh, excuse me. If if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and truth will make you free. The answer says, "Um, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say it to you. Everyone who, what, practices sin is what? As a servant or a slave to sin, all right? Um, Jesus is saying, if you commit sin, sin will control you. Sin, whoever commits sin will become a slave to it. Did you hear me? Did you hear Jesus? If you commit a sin, that sin will become a slave to you actually you become a slave to it so as you commit sin as you practice sin now the sin becomes a habit now the sin becomes a ruler over your life from any addictions anything as you yield to sin over and over again it becomes ruler where God should be ruler okay almost finished so I find verse 21 go back to Romans Romans 7 verse 21 And Indwelling sin controls humanity, and outside of the grace of God and the Spirit of God, we cannot fight sin. So I find it to be, verse 21, I find it So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? So Paul is speaking to himself as a wretched man and that that sin is controlling his life. And then he gives us the answer. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So who can deliver us from the law of sin? Jesus. All right. So sin wants to control us. Sin wants to be our ruler. It's ugly. It's offensive to God. And yet, Jesus has set us free from it. Here's the application. Um, So what should you do with this? The ugliness of sin. You need to study the doctrine of sin from the Bible. Study what sin is. Study what the Bible has to say about sin. Uh, Understand it's danger. And it's offensive to God. Number two, embrace the cross of Calvary. Embrace it. Thank God for it. And number three, pursue holiness. And number four, flee sin at all costs. Number one, Study the doctrine or the teaching of sin from the Bible. Understand its dangers and its offenses to God. Number two, embrace the cross of Calvary. Number three, pursue holiness. Number four, flee sin at all costs. When you understand the ugliness of sin, You can actually embrace the cross. You understand that Jesus died for my sins. Why? Because my sins are offensive to almighty God. I have offended God. I have insulted God. I have provoked his wrath on my life. Are you with me? And when you see that and you understand that, then you can apply the blood of Jesus to your life. You will see the need for the cross. We don't see the need for the cross as much. Are you with me? We have to see the need for the cross. Father, I thank you for this. I pray that you would help us to see the very thing that Jesus died. May we not be entertained by the sin that Jesus died for. But may we fight it every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.